And let's uh, continue in the series known as the Sidur, from specialized to standardized. This will be the fifth in the series. It's not necessary that you had been present or even listened to the first four, but I'll very briefly state the thought and the direction of each of these classes, each one disconnected from the one before it, but all teasing out a similar or common theme. And that is that the Sidur, or broader tefillah, at its core could and would be the most specialized way of approaching God in certainly in Judaism. Uh, the way the Torah describes prayer, the way the Hachamim funneled it through in the Gemara and Berachot and elsewhere, as the Avot, so to speak, discovering God in these spontaneous uh, encounters, uh, those are those are very much this specialized situation and way and mode and method within which or through which you would speak to God. Uh, attributing specific words, giving a text would almost feel or be inappropriate. Tefillah is supposed to be something that's personal. It's supposed to be my soul crying out to God. And yet, because Harambam writes, following a long line of tradition on this, because of exile, galut, because of the diminishment in education and tradition, which wasn't held so strong over the course of time, uh, because people weren't able to articulate, put together the sentences and words appropriately in prayer as they once had been able to, and Knesset HaGadolah, some 2,000 plus years ago, determined that it was necessary to give a certain standardized approach to prayer. So there's a particular irony in this standardization of prayer to the extent that, at least in my mind, when it comes to controversies in today's day and age, in the world of halakha, you'll find the most in those who want to change texts or in some way went off in skewing a text of Sidur when tefillah was supposed to be, and is at its core, the most uh, individualized, the most specialized way and method of approaching God. So I'd like to continue talking about that a little bit more, but beforehand, before even doing so, just to note, and we've all talked about this on more than one occasion, that's very much the direction of halakha to a certain extent. If you look even in Talmudic texts uh, about certain halachot, and the best example, at least in my mind, is the, uh, the sounds of the shofar on Rosh Hashanah. The Gemara Masechet Rosh Hashanah, which I've discussed on more than one occasion, seems to describe a dispute. This is a Talmudic dispute about what it is that the Shivarim is supposed to sound like. Of course, the question is, well, what did they do the year before? What did they do that year? How are they debating what the Shivarim sounded like? Famously, Ran quotes from one of the Geonim that there must have been different communities which did different things. There was room within Halakha for almost a specialization, a communal norm in one and a different acceptance in another. And over the course of time, Harambam it terms this a little bit differently, but over the course of time, the Gemarak terms it as Rabbi Takana. There was a certain formalization of that, as well as Tefillin, Rabbeinu Tam, Rashid, things of that nature. You find a certain formalization at a certain juncture, whereas Halakha and certainly Tefillah could have been, and Tefillah perhaps should have been more specialized because of the necessity of life as we know it, real human beings. It just 
hasn't been. Well, that all being the case, what I'd like to do is talk about one vantage point or one angle with regards to this strain of thought with regards to the Sidur. And I'll introduce it with what I won't really follow up all that much with uh, over the course of the class, but just to give the picture. There's a Teshubah here in source number one from Chacham Ovadia Yosef. It's in Yehavedat, Halekimah, and in Siman Vav. Writes about this as well in Yabia Omer, if I'm not mistaken, in Halek Vav. Uh, a similar uh, direction and topic. Uh, the question that he that was posed to him is: There's a new synagogue in Teveria, in Teveria elite, and uh, there there's a push from some to accept and embrace what's known as Nusach Ahid, this singular text for the Sidur, which I'll address in a moment. On the other hand, it seems the majority of the synagogue of the congregation were of uh, Middle Eastern descent and to accept this, so to speak, singular or standardized uh, text of the Sidur felt inappropriate to them. What's he referring to when he talks about this Nusach Ahid, although he doesn't mention explicitly in the Teshubah? It is and was a specific uh, text of the Sidur, which was put together by Rabbi Shlomo Goren. Rabbi Goren was actually the chief rabbi at the same time as Chacham Avadya Yosef, the Ashkenazic chief rabbi. Beforehand, he had been the rabbi of Tzahal, of the Israel Defense Forces. He's the famous rabbi at the Kotel in 1967, blowing the shofar. And he, when he was involved with Tzahal in a very intimate way, put together what he what was known as, and is known as, the Nusach Ahid, which means to say there was one standardized text in the Sidur for every Hayal, every soldier in the Israel Defense Forces. So uh, his vision, uh, to put it in different words, is that they not only be unified in physical weapons, but in spiritual words as well. Hacham Vadia Yosef, in essence then, is being asked, is it appropriate to embrace this Nusach Ahid in a situation, not parv per se, where there's a congregation that already has a background, that already has a grounding in a certain community, but is this an appropriate thing at all? And over the course of this Teshubah, some four pages in Yehavedat, he goes through some of the history with regards to changes in Nusach Ha'ot of Tefilot, and concludes, and I want to just read the final line, which will get us into... Uh, the second segment of that conversation, and then bring us to the larger issue. He writes, V'lachen ha-davar barur, in the second paragraph, which is really the last in the Teshuvah, She'al ha-mi'ut lekabel omdat rov ha-tzibur li-itpalel ke-min The minority, it was convenient there, the minority were the Ashkenazic uh, um, descent people, as opposed to the majority being of Sephardic or Middle Eastern descent. They should be absorbed by the majority. He says they should stop the minority, stronger voices, as it were, should stop with this push for this Nusach Ahid, except instead the majority. Pray as Sfaradim, as Eidot Mizrah, as Middle Eastern Jews. They were going against the Rason Hachamim with this Nusach Ahid. What's the Rason Hachamim? What's the will of the rabbis? Of course, it's the Kabbalists, who were 
very instrumental in putting together the Sidur as we have it. Of course, anyone who's familiar with the biography, uh, intellectual biography of Hacham Vadya Yosef can help but notice the irony. Whereas Hacham Vadya Yosef is the personality in the rabbinic world who fought against the embrace of Kabbalah as practice, as Kabbalah as determining what we do. And when it comes to tefillah, he's very quote-unquote traditional, very much bases his opinions on that of the Jewish mystics. He therefore says over here they should veer on the side of tradition, go with the Middle Eastern traditional texts of the Sidurim, which he attributes to the Mikubalim, to Jewish mysticism. They should accept the Anusah, the wording of the Sidur that they've had for many generations. So effectively, and the purpose in reading this from Hacham Vadya Yosef is not so much for the specifics which happen to be convenient for him that the majority was the Sephardic Middle Eastern Kahal, because he would write this, I'm convinced, and he kind of does elsewhere, about any situation. He was very opposed to a Svaradi giving up on their Nusach Tefillah. And along those lines, this idea, the concept of a Nusach Ahid, as put into motion by Rabbi Goren, was in his mind altogether inappropriate. I found online at some point that um, Rabbi Yuval Sherlow, who's a contemporary rabbi, a, a well-spoken and written rabbi in the, the Datile Umi, the Jewish, uh, the religious Zionist uh, community in Israel today, he reflected upon this, and he very much initially pointed out that Hacham Vadya Yosef was right about this. He said, if you look at the Nusach Ahid, this is very significant, you'll notice it's not just flavored or highlighted by Ashkenazic influences, it is, for all intents and purposes, Ashkenazifying tefillah. So there was this an attempt, and at the time, uh, was you know, able to get this through, he writes, to get to get across, well, we're all going to pray the same thing, but effectively it was, we'll all pray like Ashkenazi. He points out, however, Hacham Ovadia Yosef, he's critical of him, Rabbi Shiloh, he says he pushed it in the opposite direction. He said it became a political war as opposed to an approach for a true Nusach Ahid. Said Rabbi Shiloh, says Rabbi Shiloh, if we were able to get together and somehow synthesize, somehow unify it, that would be great. Instead, you have one pulling in the Ashkenazic direction, other in the Sephardic or Middle Eastern direction, and you in turn have nothing significant. The underlying... What's that? What did Tefillah look like in Andalusia uh, we'll, we'll address that. <laughs> it, we'll address that in turn in a moment or two. In other words, though, what I, the common denominator in each of these sources and conversations is the concept of, and here's the irony again, of a Nusach Ahid, of a singular text, is praiseworthy. Oh, we're all for that. Hamvad Yosef says, absolutely. As a matter of fact, in the second of this series of what we're up to five, I really focused on this, how you can really go with that and you can make claims in every direction. Hamvad Yosef says, absolutely. Sephardic one. Uh, Rabbi Shalom says, the middle one, uh, something where they were shared. Rabbi Goran said, the Ashkenazic one, but they're all interested in, ironically, well, there's a plethora of different approaches to tefillah. Do away with that. Let's all pray the exact same words. Even in a time and age such as ours, where we have Sidurim, in a generation such as ours, 
where we're not really isolated any longer, but nonetheless have a little bit of an individualized, I walk into that synagogue and it's a bit different than this one, they're all still thinking and dreaming of, let's unify it, let's standardize it. I just want to point that out from Tefillah, from Sidur, from the words of liturgy, which were supposed to be, quote-unquote, individualized, specialized, spontaneous, a rendezvous, together with God, you and him, one-on-one, it's very much become a vision, much as, as I mentioned earlier, halacha in general, in a broader sense, of let's bring this to a certain standardization. So I'd like to now take a step forward or to the side in analyzing this further. Delegating this now to which generation? I don't understand. They're not doing it today. Who's not doing it today? Those three. Uh, well, Rabbi Sherlow is suggesting that we should. In the Tzahal today, I believe they still give out Sidurim of Rabbi Goran. I believe the new Sahakid of Rabbi Goran yeah, is still in, in they the Tzahal. The they take it with uh, them, and that's I don't know. I'm speaking conceptually. That. Okay. I don't, I don't know exactly how it plays out. It, yeah. Embedded in this discussion is, I would assume, the, the question of, it's not just the standardization of prayers, but, but it's actually the migration of religion from being an individual to a community sport. Well, you talked sure. about something that wanted to invite you to Yerushalmin as opposed to bringing all our different ones. Sure, sure. We've the talked notion about about the Knesset, right? You, you can't have Bet Knesset and, uh, you know, 100 people praying 100 different things, right? So, but, and it's the congregation right. element of it that drives the standardization, I, I would say, not vice versa. Right, which maybe put in different words is the Sidur itself. A Sidur, by definition, I think, is a communal Correct. construct. Um, but yes, agreed. There's very much a, a sh- maybe, not a, maybe not a shift at a particular moment, but yes, there is a shift in, call it, religious practice from the individual to the community, and you're suggesting as a result it needs to play out almost necessarily as a certain, well, now we need something ahid. There are, we've talked about this in different, different classes at different times, there are notable situations where conversations have gone in different directions. Rabbi Rabinovich, Alav HaShalom, who was the head rabbi, was the Rosh Yeshiva of Bekat Moshe of Ma'ale Adumim Yeshiva, his opinion was whoever the Hazan that is appointed or determined to be, that is how the minyan will pray, which is a fascinating thing. He holds that everything for his yeshiva. I believe he he certainly put it into motion in his yeshiva. He wrote about it when asked about a new yeshuv. He felt it would be appropriate there. The closest you come... No, that's that's what I can think of. You see, Rabbi Sherlow happens to be, is uh, I don't know, fully affiliated, but he does affiliate with, uh, with an organization known as Tzohar. So in addition to many other different opinions, they happen to be somewhat controversial because they uh, oppose the Rabbanu Tarashit in Israel today. It's a, it's a strong rabbinic organization who have, you know, their own kashrut. And what's it? Yeah, they have, so, that's right. Where so, did you live? Who, Rabbi Shalom? Uh, in Israel, but where? I don't, I don't remember. Um, but... What I wanted I to say just now, of, what I, uh, of, of like a certain a more issue. Secular, no, I, oh. I feel like of, of a more secular uh, Right, I don't know. I don't remember. It should be easy to find. I, I, I've heard him speak more than once. But what I wanted to say is that um, during the summer, um, a, a year or two ago, 
um, someone came and spoke on behalf of it. As a matter of fact, the head of Tzohar came and spoke. And uh, when he came and spoke, among other things, something that he mentioned, just briefly, was that in his mind there shouldn't be two chief rabbis in Israel any longer. There should be one. So I get the motion, the direction... I understand it, and I think that people do. We've talked about this in Beit Yosef more than once. There is this vision when we think messianically, when we think about, quote, the ideal, we say we should all be doing the same thing, we should all be unified. Again, my counter-argument to that, much as in the conversation a moment ago with Joey, is that I wonder if within community, I wonder within nation, larger, there can or should be different voices, multiple voices, at all times somehow coming together at the same time without leading to conflict. <clears throat> to the extent that I'd like to take us on a brief journey through the tefillah or the nushalot of tefillah uh, in, a, in a broad sense, uh, starting with in source number three, which is really the survey of sorts, which is from the introduction to the sidur, the koren sidur, for uh, Sefaradim. The, the book was, uh, the Sidur was compiled and put together with the uh, back, uh, having an extensive uh, you know, appendix of going through different minhagim and nushaot, and a short introduction. His name is Rabbi Hanan Benayahu. He's a son of his father's more famous than him, Meir Benayahu, if you're familiar with that name. He, as a matter of fact, taught, he was living in Brooklyn for a few years. I think this he taught in Yeshiva Flappish for some time. I mean, anytime you make a Sephardi Sidur or an Eidot HaMizrach Sidur, you ha- you, you're, you're making a Nosach Achid for Absolute. a particular... Absolutely. In <laughs> other words, what Itai says, you're putting together a book, it's not the Halabi Sidur, it's not the Moroccan, it's not the Algerian, it's Sephardim. You're going to have to somehow put it together. So in the survey at the beginning, where he kind of brings you through the history, briefly, I just want to read a, a paragraph and a half of it. He says, Leprihata shel ha-kabbalah bedor ha-samuch legerush nodea ha-shpa'a machra'at verabbat hekef al-minhaget filava al-nishha'otea. He says in the generation and generations after the uh, expulsion from Spain, there was a, uh, a rise of Jewish mystical thought, Kabbalah, and that in turn played a significant role on the Nusach, the words in the Tefillah as we have them. He says in the generations after 16th and 17th century and beyond, it says a Sephardic Spanish Jewry very much embraced and became infatuated with the Jewish mystical thought and approaches of Arizal Vrbitz Hatluria and his students and adherents from Tzvat and, and there and and its uh, and its surrounding areas. Many of the Spanish Jews, what we now call oftentimes Sfaradim, accepted changes to their traditional prayer book based on the mystical approaches and understandings of Arizal and others. Rabbi Shalom Sharabi, who's a, a very important and prominent Kabbalistic personality, he and his students and his adherents as well continue this. This is all the way till uh, well, early 19th century. You can find strong compositions <coughs> along this line of. Kabbalistic strong influence on the Sidur. In the next paragraph, he says all the way down to Ben Ish Hayr, Yosef Hayim of Baghdad. Lomrotzot, 
Minhagea kilot hamkomiot v'misrach umarav lo betelu kaliu. He says it's not as if the uh, particulars of the communities were altogether lost. In other words, as Itai said a moment ago, it's not as if uh, we just got a nusach ahid back then. No, there was still the halab sidur as influenced afterwards. There was still the Moroccan sidurim as influenced, which means that the sidurim, as you'll find them today, if you compare it to some 600 years ago, will look very different because primarily there's an influence from Ariza. Arizar bits Hakluria and his adherents and his uh, like-minded uh, students, etc., had a major influence on the Sidurim. It's not to say that we lost any individuality. It is to say that there was a particular shift in all of the Nusha'ot in the Sephardic world. This should be noted, and this will really be the, the conversation from here on in, if you were to, and I don't know if I suggested or not, if you were to enter the Kingsway Jewish Center as a Syrian Jew and listen to the tefillah there or any young Israel, it would be more confusing and more foreign than if you walked into a Chabad. Not only because in a Chabad they're raffling off the aliyot, not only because in the Chabad they're, I don't know, giving you drinks and making you feel good, but in the Chabad the nosah tefillah is very much influenced by Arizal. Very much. It's a particular the, the Chabad as opposed to different uh, Hasidim, but Hasidut in general, and of course we're referring to a movement in uh, primarily 18th century Eastern Europe, they were very much influenced as well as the Svaradim we've been addressing until now by Arizal, his practices and his Sidur very much so as well. That's in contrast to Kingsway Jewish Center, Young well, Israel, etc. Well, of something in our Sidur that's based on that versus what you might there, there are way too many that I can enumerate in the moment, but we can you you can really open open a standard art scroll sidur, not Nusach Svarad, and a Kol Yaakov sidur, and pay attention to the differences, and they abound, and almost all of them, not all, but almost all of them can be traced back to this can be traced back to a 500 years ago break. It's not to say that 500 years ago they were identical. It is to say that many differences... Kabbalah started to spread. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, down to pronunciation of words, down to the nekeva or zachar of nakdishach or nakdishecha, down to bore priagefen or hagafen, and etc. Moshivaruch hamurit hagaf. Small things as well as larger things, very much influenced by this. So what I'd like to really talk about is that development and the conversations that were had and the ironic conclusions that, that, uh, that uh, were born out of them. So here it goes. In source number four and number five. Source number four is written by Magen Abraham. He's the major commentary to Shohan Aruch Orachayim. Right? That's the major commentary there. He quotes something from none other than Arizal. And in source number five, the primary student, the most famous student of Arizal, Bihaim Vital, in his book Sha'ar HaKavanot, really gives the full picture of this. And it goes like this. Don't change your prayer book. Whatever it is that your community says, continue saying it. There are 12 archways and entrances in the heavens uh, parallel to the 12 tribes. Kol shevet yesh lo sha'arum in haglevad. Vezeh lashon ha-gemara Yushalmi, afal pishe shalachnu lachem tzedat tefila, al teshanu mi min haglevotechem. Don't change your custom. 
bold and very clear statement. Of course, the irony, if you've been listening until now, is we said all the changes came from Arizal. He's the one who told us, ostensibly or allegedly, don't change what you have. That's really the teasing out that we'll have. But listen to the statement again. Appreciate the plurality of uh, thought and the acceptance of differences. Appreciate the not fully, but at least a, an approach to specialize, to individualize, right? In other words, Arizal says, you have yours, you're nervous about that, mm, stay with it, you have your archway, and as a matter of fact, so much so, that the way to be Haim Vital and Sha'ar HaKavanot famously says it is, you might not be let in through the other archway. If this is your yeah. tribe's entrance, that's the way you should be doing it. Don't switch to another one, right? In other words, that's the approach so much so, and I, I've quoted this in one of in the second of the series. Go ahead. But it's still saying tribal. Meaning, absolutely, so, so absolutely. Not, not, it's, it's not saying six hundred thousand, which is of course always the number when we talk about every member of. Yeah. Our, it's not saying six hundred thousand. Agreed. And which so speaks still, to Joey's point. Right. There is and always was a certain communal feel. The Aliyah on the, in the Torah was about all of Am Yisrael coming and. Things somewhat solidified it. Like like if your shul does this way, your shul should stay this way. Correct. And if the shul shouldn't change, but everyone in the correct. Shul but each each family should not have their own siddur, but each community <coughs> or should synagogue or something right. along those lines. The irony is that we we start our tefillah every day with one of the most individualized prayers that exists. <laughs> Yeah. Again, very, it, very late addition to the Sidor, to saying it in the Sidor. Again, I, I want to I want to be clear about that. It's not only Vatit Palel Hana. I mean, that's what we, you're right. That's the irony is that we begin our prayer that way. As I said, you won't, obviously, you won't find anything in Torah, Nevim or Ketubim, about any standard, I mean, you'll find, you'll find Arami Ovedavi is to be said by the Nevi'e Bikurim. That's about it. Was, and that's and that we so you'll have a vidui ma'asa. That's about it. You're not going to find in the Torah anything of that sort because if we're to understand tefillah, it's not what tefillah is, right, at its core. But so much so, this Magen Abraham, this Arizal, that Piri Migadim in source number six says, Vilachen, right there in his commentary on Magen Abraham and Siman Sanachar, don't go, if you're Ashkenazic prayer book, to a Arizal prayer book, which is what we call Nusach Svarad. Why not? You have your entranceway, you have your gate. You take someone else's gate, they won't give you entrance. That was a fascinating thing. Again, I, I want to just emphasize the, the, the irony here of Arizal being the personality, if you remember, we read in Rabbi Benayahu's uh, introduction, who changed the tefillot, bringing about a closer to standardized text, or at the very least communal changes, and he's the one who said, no, you know, there's everybody's got their own entrance. Go ahead. But he put in, uh, he used something to depend on which doesn't exist. 12 Sha'adim on post 12 Shabbatim. We don't have 12 Shabbatim. Everybody agrees to that fact. So what happened to the other Sha'adim? They are no longer right. available to you. So fact, more, than, more than even that, I mean, yeah. we'll get to this point in a moment or two, um, more than even that, most people, aside from Levim and Kohanim, can't say 
even if they, even if we know we have a few tribes, on, we don't even. No, no, I'm not going that far. We don't know what shevet we do come from. So yes, he is loosely lo- using the concept yeah, and the idea of tw- well, it's going to be co- it's going to become more literal than you believe in a moment oh, or yeah? two. I, but then yeah, I always understood the concept to be very more, figurative. Of course, like, most simple interpretation. Yeah. Most Mag- in the, go ahead. All the traffic now is through the <laughs> yeah. smaller right. I'll, I'll, the reason I'm, I'm going to be very tough on this because mm-hmm. I met somebody who's uh, told me that I told him but your name is Sephardi and he tells me yes I'm Sephardi but our family uh, went to Argentina and somehow got involved with the with the Hasidim Ashkenazim and now they're totally into it. So, so you told him that he won't be his his uh, gateway is closed. What do I okay, know? there's no simple I mean, answer no, to what you can tell him. I'll tell you, there's no simple, but uh, I'll give you a little bit more information that you can approach it with. In source number seven, this is uh, Magid of Aravli Yaakov, is a book written by the Magid of Mezrich. He's the primary and foremost student of the Baal Shem Tov. Baal Shem Tov we attribute as being uh, the founder of Hasidut. So, this is his student where much of the teachings really come from. Um, as most recently, there was a biography written about him by uh, Professor Ariel Mays. I mean, he, he's a fascinating person on many levels. It's a good, good argument that he's the founder of the Sure, <laughs> sure. Effectively, he is. Right. Maybe he wasn't the spark, so to right. speak, but he's the one, uh, again. But then then again, then you'd say, it's not Arizal, it would be Hayim Vita. Correct. Okay, so those sorts of conversations can and should abound. But in his commentary, in his book, Magid de Varav here in Ot Kof Lamed Gimal, He's dealing with the irony, as I described it, uh, which I mentioned until now. And that is, well, what happened here? He says, we, as the Hasidim, have embraced this Nusach Ariza. How do we make sense of embracing a new Nusach when the very originator, creator of this Nusach, is the one who told us, hold on to what you have. If the purpose of prayer is everybody go through their gate, each gate has its own particularities. That's why there are different nuschalot. You want to take away the Kabbalistic mystical side from this? Just say there is a specialization over the course of time. Different communities have found different words and different specifics in terms of connectedness. Hashar Hashloshistre, the thirteenth gate, who, and he's referring to the Nusaha Arizal, again, a sixteenth century uh-huh. mystical Sefat living rabbi who put together a new Nusaha Tefilah, who should be embracing that Sidur, that Nusah? People don't know where they come from. Which we is kind alone. of everyone except for, by the way, Kwanim and Levim, which we'll address in a moment or two. But doesn't know how to enter into which how to enter into the courtyard of the king. In other words, what his tribe is. Okay, so he's speaking Kabbalistically. This is, and now let's talk about this uh, 
saintly, divine individual Arizal. Since the passageways of heavens were revealed to him, his objective was for all those who are interspersed, for all those exiled Jews, again, everyone who doesn't know their specific soul connectedness, I'm going to make you your way. Effectively, Magid of Mezrich is saying that statement which we read until now, embracing the plural plurality of texts and directions and prayer, is all in theory. He's criticizing it. He's criticizing. He's not criticizing it. He's saying, He's saying that was relevant. all in theory. Arizal admitted it's not relevant. It's not possible, and therefore he gave everyone a. So then why did we need 12? If the Arizal did put together the way that we can all get in, why do we need the other 12? Ideally, you know which gate. You don't know which gate? Don't, don't make that mistake, because you might not get in at all. I'll give you the right one. And so on and so forth. He writes, he says, put together, he throws in a cryptic line, which he gets killed for. It's the second to last line of here. He says, perforce, we have different nusha'ot. After all, there are Kwanim and Levim. Pause for a second, Magid of Mezrich. Don't you realize that Kwanim and Levim have the same, don't you know Itai uses the same prayer book as as me and you? I mean, like, he's a Kohen. You're making the claim. So he says, but in the future, we'll finally go back to the way it was supposed to be. Again, there's an irony in his words. We usually, everything's going to be unified in the future. For him, yeah, unified, so tribal. You're going to go back. You will you have one for your shevet. There'll be oh, 12, different, be different 12 different ways, shevet. and we'll no longer want the Nusaharizal, so to speak. Oh, but that's his claim. So, that's an amazing thing that, that Magid of Mezrich then sets forth for us. So again, so if, if you're following in terms of the direction that I'm bringing us in, that I think the, I think the history brought us in, was that Arizal envisioned prayer, as we described it, as being somewhat specialized, as that being the ideal, but then saying, but we lost the capability of having that ideal. And therefore, let's bring this together. Let's have one singular approach. Well, what was the reaction to the Nusaharizal? It was, it was, it was different depending where you were and who you were. Again, Svaradim, Edot Mizrach, generally speaking, embraced. There wasn't, to the best of my knowledge, a strong dissenting voice. In the Ashkenazic world, that's where you found the dissenting voice. Whereas the Hasidim embraced, as I said, walk into a Chabad today, that Nusach Ha'arizal, similar to so what the Svaradim... So how did that happen? Like, how did the, in the Chabad world, how did they... Kabbalah, the, the Baal Shem Tov, the movement of Hasidut was very much connected to Kabbalah mm-hmm. to the extent that their prayer book was as well. And the rest of the Ashkenazic world, not that they didn't study yeah. Kabbalah, but in terms of their approach in a practical sense, not as them. much so. They were much more wary for one reason or and another about it. It was almost extinct after World War II. True. Uh-huh. 
True. Yeah. And then they had a revival. They had a revival. Not only that, they were more Chabad than Chabad Lubavitch. The rest of the Chabads are are effectively right. extinct. Chabad Lubavitch is one version of Chabad. Right. Okay. Regardless. Yeah. So, so, so going back but to then to the, the world, they were almost extinct in nineteen. Okay, all right. And all they did is find people who weren't. Be that as it may. Pulled them in. Yeah. So, so going back to the the question before about whether or not it isn't the 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 distinction is intended to be a non literal literal one or a literal one. It does seem like there's a potential logic that says the only recognized division within Am Yisrael is the Shifatim. And outside of that division, which is a division that you know, is in the Torah, outside of that division, there is no recognized legitimate division. And therefore, if you're not within one of the 12... You have to take out Yisrael. That's or or right. whatever it is, but, but so, there's, there's no so, basis so that's to, what, to so, having a distinction. Exactly. To throw out so, all the that's, so that's what I meant to Itai when I said that is going to be taken more literally than you believe. Right. In other words, it's the 12, the, the rationale of Magid of Mezrich is there are 12, nothing more. And if you don't know which one of those 12 are, uh, don't yeah. bother. As opposed to saying, Oh, there's every single community. You know what your community that you live in now or that your father lived in or whatever it is? Okay, that's sufficient. Of course, there are going to be some who are utterly confused. Though, but yeah, he's a lot more literal than we expected to the extent that he's... Now, I, I'm sure he has an already... It's a system which has already embraced Avizal. And he's trying to trace backwards and try to make sense of this, but very much so. It's it's a it's a fascinating thing. Whereas Arizal is well aware of the history, very much complementary of the history. That's the way it should be. At the same time, says, and, but, but let me show you the way. Logic, there is a logic to it that says that anything else that has developed is just historical accident, right? Why? There, there's no. Meaning the fact that you happen to be stuck in this country versus that country versus wherever else but, is a but, historical but, accident. The Shifatim are designated. That's, that's you're written. You're literal. Yeah, I'm saying there's, the a, a, there's a compelling logic to it. I think the Hasidim and probably Sfaradim as well. I most recently saw these words quoted in an introduction to a Sefer of Benish Hai, which was written, the introduction by Rabbi Yosef, Hayim Mizrahi. You can't find them more. Sephardic sounding name, and very much embracing this. What's uh, the justification? So let, even if you go with that, what's the justification for limiting that to tefillah? Meaning, so, okay, say the whole, say it with halakha, say it with minhag, right, say it with right, like, right. and we're willing to tolerate so, a lot of... So I will be clear that in my mind, and I've said this on more than one occasion, in a certain ideal sense, down to Hachamova Adel Yosef, and right. certainly Maran, their vision was that it all be unified. When we get to, when, once we're in Israel. I, that's right. That, but I always understood that and still do, as I'm not getting fully into his psyche, but I'm suggesting, he says, that's the way it's supposed to be. Maran writes, that's the way it's supposed to be. I now found a methodology for pulling this off. I now said, we moved into Israel, so I'll tell you, all got subsumed under this larger umbrella. But they very much do believe that. There is a large segment of halachic thought which believes that tefillah, 
just as much as halacha should be ahid. Right, so uh, this is just a special case of, uh, of that thread is what yes. you're saying. And I believe this is more ironic because whereas when it comes to practice, so maybe I could say um, it's practice as prescribed by the Torah and the Hachamim. There was an initial one thought to a certain extent and call it, call it historical accidents in that respect. When it comes to prayer... Oh, it's never supposed to be that way. It's that prayer went in the same direction as halacha. That's that's the general direction. In Shailot Tushbot Hatam Sofer, who was a, a, an important non-Hasidic authority, living not so much with the threat of Hasidut at his time any longer, more with um, what he felt was an encroachment of, uh, of enlightened thought, uh, reform Judaism, but nonetheless addressing Hasidut issues from time to time. He takes head on these statements of Magid of Mezrich. He does, I left these lines out, point out, he says, you know, I wasn't able to really read that book. I don't even have time to learn Shas and Rishonim, let alone all these other books. It's a very cute way of saying I have no interest in reading that. Well, that's I mean, a lot. He then writes, I can't even understand what he wrote. First and foremost, if I'm going to accept your claim, so then Kohanim and Levim never should have been praying anything other than the tribe of Levi's prayer. How did that get lost? They know they're Levi'im. They know they're Kwanim. And Arizal, at the very least, you should say, don't embrace my prayer. Say something else. Probably. <laughs> He says, furthermore, says, look at the rabbis from the Gemara. Already then, they didn't. There were specific individuals and strands and families who had the Yehus. Nobody else did. Wait a second. If that's the case, if we follow this through, Arizal, your prayer should have been what everyone was doing. In other words, the claim was the only reason Arizal needed to do this is because we have a mehshi. Everybody got mixed up. If you had the Yehus, uh, so then everybody had their own uh, nosach. If that's the case, we should have had Arizal back in the time of the Talmud. Furthermore, Rashi, he says, furthermore, the great Ashkenazic, German and French rabbis, uh, starting with Rashi and Rabbeinu Tam, ending with Rosh, I mean, they all prayed Ashkenazic. No Arizal, 300 plus years before Arizal, 400 years before Arizal. Are you going to tell me none of their prayers were accepted? Right. You're going to tell me Moshe drank their tap water in well, city. That's right. right. That, that's his claim. He says it, it's it's one thing if you if you suggest it's a new vantage point. It's another thing the historical direction you're giving me, Magid of Mezrich. And then lastly, he quotes from Rosh in a Teshuvah, where Rosh is reflecting on the fact that when he left, I love his biography for many reasons, but when he left Ashkenaz, when he left Germany and made his way to Spain, he describes how he didn't trust the Shechita in Spain. He says they don't have the Masoret that we had back home, because the Masoret back home is as 
pristine and as clear and as traditional as possible. Wait a second, Rosh, are you serious? Don't you realize there's something much greater than your tradition? Don't you realize that you don't have the right tradition? Something been, must have been confused? Effectively, Hatam Sofer is claiming and stating against Magid of Mezrich, your claim that today we're all confused is not something new. We've been, quote-unquote, confused for quite some time, and yet your novelty is, it's just that. It's new, and we haven't done that until now. How do you resolve that? No simple answer to those claims. Again, more than anything, for me, Hatam Sofer comes off, ironically, and there's more than one of these ironies I've pointed out on more than one occasion, as the... uh, as the pluralist over here. And he even says so. He says, you should know, my rabbi, Rabbi Natan Adler and Baal HaHafla'a, they prayed with Nusach Arizal. And they're allowed to, and that's okay. But the general populace, not so. And they prayed in the synagogue that way. He's almost excited about the fact that, he said, but every person, and he goes back to the initial statement of Arizal, should pray according to their congregation's uh, Nusach, according to their congregation's way. Of course, Chacham Vadya Yosef gets very excited. Did you hear that? Rabbi Natan Adler, Baal Hafla, they prayed with the Hadvaras Faradit, they prayed with the Nusai. We got it right. But if, if you take the context of Hatam Sofer, he's thinking along the lines, quote unquote, of what prayer was, of what Sidur is in a certain ideal sense. I, I want to just conclude this conversation with a, a, a final uh, point. And the final point is from She'elot to Shibot Divrei Hayim, some maybe less than 100 years ago written. That's the Tzanzer Rebbe, he's known as uh, Rabbi Hayim Halberstam. And in his She'elot to Shibot, he is attempting to defend the Hasidic <coughs> approach to prayer in embracing Arizal in changing historically traditional prayer text. And he makes the following claim. He says, uh, if you take a look, Let me be clear. We should continue with our tradition. What's our tradition? Some several hundred years old to go with the Nusach of the Arizal. Okay, and he says an initial statement of, I'm not so great, Hatam Sofer is truly greater than me. A lot of true humility, it really appears so. He says, soft davar at the end of the third line, is quoting from, B, uh, from Mishnat Hasidim, and that's an Arizal statement. In truth, the ideal way, the true, the true way that we really all should be going, your own gate, whatever Shevet you're from. He goes on to state the following, but do you really believe you know what gate you came from? So you're going to say, yeah, it's whatever my father prayed with. Are you sure that's your gate? Are you positive? What do you mean? The Ba'alea Tosafot prayed. They knew what gate. If you don't, Nusach Harizah. Wait a second, you're going to say, why is Rashi and Tosafot different than me and my father? Are you aware that Rashi and Tosafot, his words, not mine, were the greatest Kabbalists? Now, there's quite a conversation about this, whether they knew... 
Therefore, they knew, so to speak, the gates of heaven. They, therefore, they could be which shah they were. They could tap into that. He's, he, he, you know, he does have a little bit in terms of mystical thought in France uh, some 800 years ago. He quotes from, it, he writes, Rime or Lainish. That's a, a, unfortunately it's a mistake that some made. It was not Ri or Orleans. It, it was Ri of Marvez, actually. That's Rabbi Yaakov Marvez, he, he writes. It was misattributed over the course of time. There is a northern French a personality rabbi who did have some sort of mystical thought. He asked questions to the heavens. Oh, by and large, we've talked about it more than once, by and large, you don't find that sort of stuff. There's two passages in Rashi's commentary to Talmud where it even touches on one of the notable ones by Sechet Sukkah when he talks about the Shema Meforash of God, or even touches on anything close to what we would call Jewish mystical thought. Uh, Rabbi Yaakov Haim Sofer writes about this. So there's a large and wide debate about this, but generally speaking, we're clear this was not their milieu. This is not what they were dealing with. They weren't Kabbalistically oriented. I mean, that doesn't take away anything from them. It means it takes away from the claim. The claim is, look at who we are. You're going to tell me that you can find your gate. Can you imagine what this is describing to us? It's describing, at least in my mind, exactly Harambam's history of tefillah. It's describing how this funny direction, predictable, of Jewish prayer went as follows. It started as individualized, specialized. That's the way prayer was, tefillah, tana, etc. Over the course of time, people forgot how to pray properly. They did Then we settled into communities to put this all together. In communities, different influences, different directions, we might say something refreshing, we might say something unique, call it different archways were, so to speak, erected. Again, Arizal might tell you those different archways from the onset, but that's the way we're uh, building the history for us based on this class. At a certain point, though, for one reason or another, there was a feeling that that needs to come to an end, that we no longer have a true grasp on, well, what archway we were from. They did, we don't. And here's my kicker in this. My final line in this is that Arizal is living and operating at the exact same time as Rabbi Yosef Karo. As Rabbi Yosef Karo is doing this in the world of halakha, I know your community has its customs, I know your family has its customs, but guess what, now let's bring it all together. Arizal's doing the exact same thing in tefillah, and his students are following in, in suit as well. In other words, the final stage of this, as it were, the final stage of the specialized to standardized in tefillah, followed the exact, or, or the, the, the whole, the, the whole uh, progression and final stage came to its conclusion, so to speak, at the same time that Halakha did. Was, it, was there just, was there that a point in time where they just saw too much dispersion and they said this is... Absolutely. If it took place, it took any. place absolutely at a time where, and again, it's really what that, that Sanzer Rebbe is claiming, it took place at a time of confusion took place initially at a time of, well, where are we from? What are we doing? We're no longer in our community. Well, let's now figure something out that works for all of us. That's Arizal. 
How does it then make its way across the globe, well, not across the globe, across countries to Eastern Europe? It makes its way there at a different time of difficulty. Not per se of exile, but a time of soul-searching, a time of persecution. And Hasidut embraces this as a direction, as a way of bringing us together. But in short, what I'm invi- how I understand this direction of prayer from beginning through end, all the way to the contemporary modern-day state of Israel is one in which, as there's been plurality of voices, we've then caught ourselves and said, but maybe this is weakening us. Maybe this isn't helping us. Maybe there's an ideal sense, as uh, as Magid Mesrich said, maybe in Yomot HaMashiach, ironically, that's when we'll bring it back, but we can't be operating with that now. To the extent that, and this is the real conclusion of this, that in today's day and age, in the state of Israel, where someone like Chacham Ovadia Yosef's vision was and is, as we said earlier, with regards to halakha, let's umbrella all of Judaism. He comes pretty close to saying he believes Ashkenazim in Israel should be following Maran as well, even though he steps back from it in several places. He says this explicitly and gets knocked for it. What are you talking about? How many of us have really believed that? Might be a product of the time, it might be a product of the society, but that is his vision. I bring you back to the Nusach Ahid of the last several decades of the Rabbi Yuval Sherlow of envisioning and saying, well, maybe that's what we should be doing with our prayers today as well. I'll give you just for a last moment the counter argument on this which I don't believe has been in the last long period of time very popular, but it's just the way I imagine it. If we're to say about the Nusa Hakid of Tefillah, that we'll liken it to the army where they're fighting in a unified fashion, let's just remember, and it takes not much more than speaking to Itai or any Israeli, and realize there are many individualized units doing many different things in the army, which means to say they're all fighting for the same team, but they're doing different things. Their training, I imagine, is somewhat different, and what they're doing on ground or in air or in the sea is different one from the other. That's not to say that they're not all on the same team. That's not to say as well that they're not all fighting for the same cause, but they're doing different things. They're not per se on the same, you know, so to speak, in the same synagogue. They're not to say, it's not to say that they're uh, necessarily fighting side by side, but they are fighting on the same team. That's the counter-argument. That's the argument that halacha can, and again, Magid of Mesrich says, tefillah will be that way in the future, can coexist in thin... And it's reality, meaning whatever people are writing in books, (laughs) and what they like... And look around. That's literally what we're doing. Indeed. That has won the day in spades. Well said, because as much as you try and attempt to turn human beings into this unified, single-colored unit, it will never entirely be so. But again, I believe that the Siddur from Specialized to Standardized really describes this direction, starting at Specialized, becoming Standardized, um, settling in and feeling some more specialty, but then again, coalescing, coming together in that Standardized state. Yeah, Joe. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I'm not sure I agree fully with the army analogy. Um, because it, it's not like we decide, okay, everyone that's born in this city, you're, you're artillery, you're artillery, right? It, it's, it is based on talent and skill and not sort of historical coincidence, which is a different... So right? not a perfect analogy. Not, right, the world's Point not getting better by true. having... 
right now they are recruiting people specifically for combat engineers who would otherwise be in other fighting units because there's a need for combat engineers and need to grow the people who are okay, fighting. Okay, but that's not the same thing. But, but it is. It's a product it, of the it, time. It's a product of, uh, no, of a historical product accident of, that Singapore built tunnels that we need people to go and destroy that, and fight in and so that they would otherwise be a different I'm, kind of... But that notwithstanding, but that notwithstanding, Joey, but at the end of the day... No, but you're attributing a value to it, and I'm saying the value is not derived from the diversity. It's derived from some either a need, a specific need, or a specific diversity of skill set. But here, you're just saying diversity has its own value. And it's not clear to me that diversity has a value in and of itself, as opposed to diversity being a necessity of some other goal, right? Because um, you can't have an army that has only infantry. It will not be a successful army. You have right. to have different divisions in your army, or you will fail. And can uh, if you everybody have prayed the same nusach, that that lack of diversity sense. would change anything. In an ideal sense, it will rid the congregation of passion. It will remove a and div- divisiveness. Uh, I understand the danger on that. I understand. I understand. You but, could argue yeah, that the passion is gone anyway. In, in tefillah, people right. cling more to the stuff that is tafil in tefillah than the ikar. Is it not? So. Is it not the nigunim? <laughs> is it not that this is our way, which is what attaches people to prayer? Is it not the... Is, 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 right. is, is that no. not part of the passion that involves a person in their prayer? In short, I, I understand. I, I understand the difference. In so, short, I do believe the that the way it began... Okay, that's so so that's what Joey is that's what Joey is contesting. I believe I believe Hamvadia Yosef is clear against Magid of Mezrich, right. so to speak. I'll say Yemota Mashiach is Vayaba Yomawi and Rayhad Ushmoyahad is going to be unified singular. Whereas I think that there is room. I understand the counter argument within that to say that there's an ideal in a plurality of voices, obviously within a certain structure. And prayer specifically, I believe, because it's a connectedness to God, I believe it would it would manifest itself that way as well there. It's not per se, you're right, it's not per se the army, not the best example, it was a thought, but it is to say that I do believe prayer is best, maybe it's lost, maybe it's gone is your, is your cynical response, but that it will be best approached if we did it, in the proper fashion, with each individual kahal, let's say, having their own particular yeah, general framework. Of but course, yes, of course. Yeah. All right.